You're listening to the podcast of Church of the Holy Cross in Popper Bluff, Missouri, a community of faith learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at holycrosspb.org. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Those of us of a um, a certain age are able to remember the American civil rights movement of the 1950s and 1960s. A lot of great folk songs came out of that movement. One of them, Keep Your Eyes on the Prize, reminded protesters not to get discouraged. It's been performed by many artists, including Pete Seeger, Mavis Staples, and even Bruce Springsteen. In part, the lyrics go, keep your eyes on the prize, hold on. Freedom's name is mighty sweet, and soon we're going to meet. Keep your eyes on the prize, hold on. How do you do it? How do you hold on when everything is bad? I don't know how many of you are motorcycle riders. I would guess not very many. I have a motorcycle endorsement on my driver's license, but what I used to ride, and some of you may remember this, was technically classed as a scooter. It was a 400cc scooter that would go 70 miles per hour on the highway, but it had no clutch, automatic shifting, and both brakes on the handlebars, so by law, it was a scooter. But it had to be registered like a motorcycle, and I had to get a motorcycle endorsement to ride it legally. In order to get licensed, I took a motorcycle training course at the old airport in Malden, Missouri. They led us along step by step, starting with just sitting on the bike and walking it across the runway, then turning around and doing the same thing going back. The next step was driving slowly in a straight line. Then we got to learn how to turn. You might think that turning a motorcycle would be like turning a car, but it's not. Instead of steering, turning the wheel in the direction you want to go, you lean in that direction and steer slightly in the opposite direction. I know it sounds stupid, but it really works. Physics can be weird. But the big trick in learning to steer a motorcycle and learning to drive in a straight line is to look where you want to go. If you're turning, you don't look straight ahead. Before you turn, you check to make sure you have a clear path, but as you go into the turn, you look toward the end of the turn. It seems counterintuitive, but it works. And a big problem for new motorcycle riders in riding straight is that they move their gaze to the side, away from where they want to go. 
inevitably the bike starts to turn where they're looking, often without them even noticing. As you can guess, this often ends badly for the rider. You can learn to take glances to the side, but you have to immediately snap back to the front or you're going someplace you really don't want to go. You have to look where you want to go. In today's gospel, Peter stopped looking where he wanted to go. Peter didn't keep his eyes on the prize. When he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. How many times has this happened to each of us? We start out focused on what we want to accomplish, but we get distracted. We spend too much time looking at all those distractions around us, and we fail to look where we want to go. And without fail, we end up somewhere else. Peter was not the only person in the Bible who had this issue. In an alternate reading from Kings today, Elijah has become afraid for his life and is hiding. He lost sight of where he needed to go and his faith faltered. God came to his hiding place and set him on the right path again. Today, some Christians have lost sight of where they're going. The popular notion today is about going to heaven. That's the prize for believing in Jesus. This old world is evil and wicked, so we're biding our time until we can go live with Jesus, either when we die or hopefully when he comes back to take us all to live with him in the sky and we'll leave this crappy old world behind and live perfectly in a spiritual paradise. But that's not the way the early church saw things. In fact, the idea that this world is flawed beyond redemption it's contrary to scripture. It's something that the early church fought very hard against. Viewing the material world as evil and something to be left behind is the basis of a heresy called Gnosticism, and it has some consequences. For some, it can become a way of ignoring the current world. When I was a young evangelical, one of our favorite songs was, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. It's a catchy song and fun to sing, but it tends to ignore any responsibility we have for doing the work that Christ wants us to do right here. Another danger of distraction is, amazingly, that we get engrossed with the idea of Jesus. We run around shouting his name as if that's all he want us to, wanted us to do. While looking at some Facebook posts or bumper stickers that say, honk if you love Jesus, I'm often reminded of Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We can get so focused on Jesus as personal savior that we forget that he didn't come just to redeem individuals, but to redeem the whole world, all of creation. The Old Testament repeats this theme over and over again. 
that someday God will redeem creation, not destroy it and start over. As part of that redemption, he will restore justice and freedom. The Gospels and Paul's letters pick up this theme and tell us in no uncertain terms that it is through Christ that the redemption of creation has officially begun. Not finished yet, but definitely in process. It's happening around us. And in his life, Jesus showed us how to live in that world. We say the Apostles' Creed every time we pray the daily office, reciting what we claim to believe. In fact, we'll say it right after this sermon. But there are a couple of things at the end that we sometimes don't think very much about. We say we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. The Nicene Creed uses a slightly different phrase, the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. The resurrection of the body means a real physical resurrection, not as the saying goes, pie in the sky by and by when you die. Paul claims we will be raised to new perfect bodies, that we will take our place in the restored creation. And that's why you will see me crossing myself during the creed at the words, we look for the resurrection of the dead in either creed. It's because that's our hope. That's what Jesus has been talking about and working toward. It's our hope through Christ. We look where we want to go. Remembering that Christ began the work of redeeming creation and that we are called to live it as if it were, all, it were already done. The redemption of all creation, the life of the world to come, where we will live in perfect freedom, that is the prize. And that is a prize worth keeping our eyes on. Keep your eyes on the prize, hold on. Freedom's name is mighty sweet, and soon we're gonna meet. Keep your eyes on the prize, hold on. Amen. Oh,